Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today, we're talking to entrepreneur and podcaster, Jenny O'Connor. Are you overwhelmed by all the amazing things that you'd love to do for a living? Do you know you're meant for something greater? You're gonna love hearing Jenny because she specializes in helping you hone in on your superpower and fast track you to success. And right now you get to hear how to do that, empowering you to live your dreams. She has refreshing insights for you as you move forward into your best life. Straight from around the pod, welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Jenny. Thank you so much, Lauren. That was an amazing introduction. I really am so looking forward to having this discussion. Yeah, me too. Okay, so first of all, before we get to how do you know what your one superpower is when there's so many shiny objects, because that (laughs) I definitely want to hear, you talk about being multi-passionate. And I first want to get a definition on what that even is. Yeah. So I feel like that's one of those, if you know, you know, if you are, you you know, you struggle with focus, with knowing what to do next and how to move the needle forward, because you have so many projects that you want to be working on concurrently. So if you've changed jobs a lot of times throughout your life, (laughs) and if you I constantly say, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And that's not really true. I I really have zeroed in on what like is my lifeblood passion at this point. But if you say those words, (laughs) then you are multi-passionate. I I describe it as squirrel brained. I describe it as, you know, shiny object syndrome, but it it all means the same thing. Okay. So what did you hone in on? So there's a lot. (laughs) I want to be a novelist. I think that's the thing that if I go to my deathbed without having done, I will actually feel regret. So I'm 55,000 words into my first novel, which is very exciting. I have a very deep spiritual practice. So that's in the world of like paganism and Wicca. And what's so wonderful for a person like me about that practice is it's like going back to school. There's so much to learn. I will never be done studying. It's, It's about art and intuition and meditation and getting in touch with nature. And like, I could go on and on and on. And so I've learned that because I love that so much, it's not something I want to monetize. It's just something that I want to keep sacred and have that be my joy activity. So I also do that. I podcast. It's like my favorite thing in life. And that's really just an opportunity to share stories of other multi-passionates who are making an impact and proving that you don't have to be a specialist in order to do that. So the podcast brings me joy. And then I have started to create courses. I have one flagship course right now and another one that's coming out in about a month that really just help people who are like me figure out how to make money from their passions and not feel scattered and overwhelmed and actually feel at peace and like they're making real progress. Okay. So how does somebody hone in on what it is that is their superpower when everything seems so great? Yeah. So it's a process that I walk people through and it starts with a brain dump. I think we feel overwhelmed because ideas come in and we're like, oh, 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 that sounds good. And it's very distracting. So if you're involved in an activity, when that happens, you're sort of like unsure of where to go next. 
The brain dump is kind of the solution to overwhelm. Write down everything that has ever been interesting to you, anything that might be interesting, something you want to do once, and then just check the box and say you did it. Put Make the list exhaustive. And that act in and of itself is just this like sigh of relief. Everything's been captured on paper. You've gotten it out of your brain. And now there's a little bit of like empty space to breathe again. And then it's a combination from there of determining what your real superpowers are. Like, what are the things people ask you for help with? When do you feel most beautiful and most confident? What are the activities you're engaged in at that moment? You make a list of those and then you compare it to what the needs of the market are. One of the modules in my course is all about market research. So just asking what people need or paying attention to what people come to you and ask you for help with. And putting all of that together is sort of like pouring all of your ideas into a sieve and slowly narrowing it down until you end up with ideally about three to five that make the most sense to pursue right now. It does not mean you have to leave everything else on that brain dump behind, but you can't do it all at once. That's just obvious. So you start with, you know, your money maker, and then you have maybe two other side projects that you do on the side. And I teach how to manage all of that, how to create sacred time in your calendar, even if you work a full-time job, even if you are a parent managing a household so that you can fit those passions in and actually make progress on them. Because that's the big problem, right? Is you do so many things that you don't feel like you're seeing any real progress on any of them. Right. So how do you create time? It's about being intentional. I think that especially women in today's society have this belief that we have to be nice. Like that's the number one thing that everybody expects of us. And that means saying saying yes to too many things. And what I think is really fascinating is so, you know, you hear that say no to more things, but Elizabeth Gilbert brings up a really good point. She says, it's not about saying no to the things that you don't want to do. It's actually about saying no to a lot of things that you do want to do because what you most want to do is most important. So that intentionality, that sitting down and finding out what the thing is that you will regret not having done on your deathbed. Okay. Is that more important to carve an hour out on the weekend to do that? Or is it important to say yes to the bake sale for the PTA? You know, like you really have to make some hard choices. Yeah, no, that is such a good point. I have have certain people that came to mind right away. (laughs) I'm going to have, I'll have them this podcast or I'll I'll send them the link. I think this is for you. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's like... uh, Yesterday, I, I did what, and it's actually in my weekly email that I actually threw on a t-shirt and took a walk outside just to clear that, just to get outside, first of all, because the day before, all of a sudden it was dark out and I'm scared of coyotes. So I don't like walking in this neighborhood, particularly for the, during the dark. Anyway, and, you know, and I, I just got outside. I got sunshine, just what yeah. I talked about, just clear my head, get outside, do a good, you know, even if it's a 20 minute power, whatever it is. And I felt so much better. And it's one of the ways yeah. to just feel better instantly. And, and that's something that gets important to you. It, so you, yeah. you make the time and that's all it is, is figuring out what's important to you and then doing, putting that in your life every single day. I love yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like meditation. It's somehow or another gives me more time because it gives me connection. That's amazing. So how did you get to this 
place in your life where you have clarity or focus or you can coach others to to find out their own superpower? Yeah, it's a great question. I feel like a lot of multi-passionates have this same sort of growing up story where you just felt like you were doing life wrong. Basically, from the moment we were chose to to choose a major in college, you know, at 17, the prefrontal cortex of our brain isn't fully developed yet. And that's our decision making faculties right there. So you're supposed to pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life before that part of your brain even really knows how to do that. And I went in as an environmental chemistry major and started flunking out of school. So I switched to theater and graduated with a theatrical costume design. Okay, degree. From chemistry to theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's that's a 180. I, I had to change my major even because I couldn't. It was I had to have a non-congruent major. So I changed from Spanish to anthropology. It was a whole that my whole life looked like that. And then I, you know, I moved to New York and because I wanted to do costume and started working for a woman who was a couture designer on the Upper East Side. And it was the most thankless, grotesque job. When the Devil Wears product came out, my mom sent me the book and said, this is your life. And I was like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> so, and then I got engaged and then decided I wanted to be a wedding planner and got certified. And we moved to There's to a LA. certification for wedding there's, planning? There's a wedding planner certification from the Wedding Planners Association really? of Who America. Knew? Okay. Yeah. And the bottom line is I kept changing. I would do something for two years, like then I would close it. So I had, I have all of these like failed businesses in my past and I couldn't, I felt like a flake. I felt like I was doing my life wrong. And I just hear the same story from so many people. If you stuck to one thing, you'd be so successful. The implication being I wasn't successful. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't just stick with one thing. And then I came across the book, Refuse to Choose by Barbara Sher. And she wrote it in like the late 70s. So it's not new. And Barbara actually has recently passed away, but the work that she did while she was here to help people like me understand that they are not broken, that we just have brains that work differently from other people's brains. The real key is to figure out what's going to make us feel like we're thriving because the fact of the matter is one job for the rest of our lives is not, we're going to feel like we are dying on the vine. So our lives are going to look differently and that's completely okay. And when I started finding people to interview on the podcast who were like success stories in and of their themselves, their own by their own right. And I just knew that it was my job to bring that to the rest of the world so that other people could hear that it is possible to do. It's just a matter of getting clear. Everyone says that the problem is focus. I can't focus. I'm easily distracted. I don't know what to do next. You've got to get clear before you can ever hope to have focus. So I just went through like journaling and hiring coaches and therapy and shadow work and just it runs the gamut, the work that I did and ultimately was able to come up with a system that in turn helps other people figure this out for themselves. Yeah, which is great. So there are other things that people, other tools that people besides doing the brain dump and getting clear and looking to see, but people are like, they have this idea and they know, well, this is, this is the thing I want to do, but they're afraid to take that leap. What would you tell somebody? Yeah, that that's such a big one, especially if you're creative. I think imposter syndrome is just a voice in your head all the time telling you that you're not original and no one cares what you have to say. And who are you, especially for us? Cause we're not experts. 
we're jacks of all trades, right? So who wants to listen to me if I'm not an expert at anything? So I'm going to give you my best tip for when it when it comes to overcoming imposter syndrome, because I just love this and I love using it with my students. We all know what vision boards are, right? So, and they're great. And for the people that they work for, I, you know, more power to you. I absolutely love that. But the problem with a vision board is that it's all the things that you don't yet have. So if you're not in the right headspace, it can make you feel lack. There's a certain way of thinking about it that propels you forward rather than being like, well, that's all the stuff I don't have. I'll be happy once I have that. My modality is to use something called an accomplishments board. So it's a collage like a vision board. Um, and you can do a physical one or one on your computer, but it's all of the things that you have to celebrate about your existence. And when I put take people through this process, I'm like, we're talking everything. We're talking the thank you card that you got from your stepdaughter because she's just so grateful to have you in your life. Are you an amazing dog mom? That goes on the accomplishments board. Mine has photos. I had a whole stint where I was a cooking instructor and a private chef to people with food allergies. So I have a photo of the most beautiful plate of sushi I've ever made in my life and all of my Halloween costumes from all of my costume design years. And it is an amazing psychological tool. If you put it somewhere where you can see it every day and you're like, oh, those are all the things that make me a badass and make me unique and special. It doesn't have to be about being an expert. It has to be about what is your unique selling proposition? How are you a unicorn? And people can learn from you because you're the only one who knows the things that you know. When you see it every day, when you see those reasons to celebrate yourself every single day, it imprints on your mind. And suddenly that the volume on that inner critic goes way, way down. I almost believe it's a cure. I mean, I, I don't want to say imposter syndrome goes away ever because I don't think that's really true. But it will do wonders for your mental state because all you have to do is look at that and be like, if you have an interview and you're nervous, go look at your accomplishments board and you'll be like, I got this. I'm yeah. awesome. Oh, totally. And everyone has their own unique handprint. Nobody can do what you can do the way you can do it. And if you've got that job, there's a reason you got it because it's always like, oh, I want this job. And then you get it and you're like, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, of course you can. You got it for a reason. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm amazed by the accomplished people who admit that they have an inner critic voice in their own oh, heads. I mean, people yeah. you would never expect yeah, to actually feel that. Maya way. Angelou used to talk about it, Meryl Streep, Michelle yeah. Obama. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very high functioning women. Big Magic is Elizabeth yeah. Gilbert's book about shutting up the inner critic. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's, it's very no, high performing people that talk about imposter syndrome for sure. Uh, there was something else you said that made me think about it's not survival of the fittest. It's survival of the nurtured. Yeah. And um, yeah. So we want a nurturing, compassionate, kind voice to ourselves. Absolutely. So, and th and yeah. that's what, that's what this is. Like when you get to wrap yourself in a warm blanket of all of the, the reasons you're amazing, what a different feeling that is from the way most of us move through our lives where we're like, Oh, I look old. Or I put on five pounds, you know, it's, this yeah. is a different dialogue you get to have with yourself. Yeah. No mean girl self-talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely not. So you've in interviewed some incredible people. Are there tips that you just start incorporating for yourself? Because I know I definitely do that <laughs> with people I interview. 
Yeah, it's mostly for me. I've I've always been on a mission to find the time management um, system that is going to work best for me. That is a work in progress. It's constantly evolving, and so that's sort of my favorite thing to ask people about. Like, you've written eight books. How how do you manage your time? And then I usually implement their system for a while. What I have found that works best for me, and I agree that. The reason I've had to try out all these other systems to see if they work is because everyone sort of needs their own unique system. And I do work with people to help them create the one that works for them. But I have what I call my five priorities system that is sort of an amalgamation of the best tips I've heard from my podcast guests. And essentially, it's it's those things I mentioned at the beginning that are my ultimate passions, having my work week scheduled out and then committing a percentage, like think of a pie chart. Mm -hmm. My five priorities are on that pie chart and they each have a slightly different percentage of that 40 hour work week that I want to commit to them. But within that structure, I'm going to spend 10 hours working on my novel. I'm going to spend 15 hours working on my podcast within that structure. I can do whatever I want. So as long as I'm spending 15 hours, it, it can look however it needs to look. And, and I believe that creative people go into a creative field because they want, they're like, it's going to be free. I, I'm, a, I'm a freewheeling creative. I can do whatever I want. That is not the way to thrive as a creative. And if you read about you know famous artists, all of them had a system. And I just believe that the system is flexible structure. So within that five priorities methodology, I, I get to be loose. And that really satisfies my creative needs while getting stuff done. Oh, that's good. So you don't set hours, specific hours or in the day you just set. Uh, if I have an appointment like this with you, it's mm-hmm. on the calendar and, and then I'll put some other stuff that feels important that day, but it's sort of what I feel like do if, if, if it's not due that day and I feel like doing something else, that's okay. And that just lets me feel like I'm still in charge of my life. I get to move things around based on what I'm most inspired to do at the moment, which is really nice. Yeah, that, that is that that's really good. Yeah. So what's the hardest challenge you've gone through? And how did you get through it? Yeah, so I'll tell you a, a story about my fear of being visible. Because if you are going to be an online business person, you have to be visible. <laughs> you cannot hide from that reality. My first foray into self development was reading Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way when I was uh-huh. 20 years old. And I learned about shadow artists, which are essentially people who have the creative yearning inside of themselves, but who, for whatever reason, never do it, never make their art. And my 20-year-old self thought that was like the saddest thing I could possibly imagine. It just broke my heart into a million pieces. What I didn't realize was that I was a shadow artist. And the reason I didn't realize that is because in my personal life, I'm like an adrenaline junkie. I do all kinds of crazy things. I will skydive. I will cage dive. I traveled around the country for a summer tent camping by myself. I moved to a foreign country where I didn't know anyone and didn't speak the language. And I didn't even realize that was any of that was weird. And then I had I would have these conversations with people where they would say, aren't you scared? Aren't you scared to do that? And I was like, no. And then suddenly I, I, I realized that some people found the stuff that I did very willingly. They thought that that required courage. So here I am. I'm like, I'm very courageous. But that's why I kept opening and closing these businesses. I, I would get them perfect. I would get my certification. I would be so good at what I did. 
But then I would have to go to a networking function or God forbid, make a video or do an interview or get like, I used to be terrified of getting on a Zoom call with people. It wasn't even like a recorded Zoom call. Just something about that was crippling to me. It's crazy to say now because I come through and I'm on the other side. But all of that changed when I met a boy and within a month, sold all of my belongings in LA and left my life behind and moved across the country to be in a relationship with him. And when I say it crashed and burned, imagine the worst case scenario. It was worse. I walked into a very dangerous situation. There were literally times where I would go camping with him and text my friends, if you never hear from me again, this is where I last was. It was as if I was in a cult. Like, it's crazy to say that out loud and that the fact that I didn't just leave, but I, I, I was, I, it was so, so difficult for me to extricate myself from this man. And when I finally did leave, it was the result of a very public display of infidelity. It took a long time after I left. He convinced me to be in a, a long distance relationship with him. He was basically a very charming psychopath. So I left. I was on my way home and I got a text message from a friend. I I was a bartender for many years. He was a regular of mine. He's like, I'm going to check on you after you move. And it said, how are things going with the guy in Massachusetts? And I said, oh, Paul, no, it did, did not work out. And he said to me, and I love how this happens. It's a very simple thing that he said, but when, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. He said, if you would never have tried, you wouldn't have known. And it just landed so profoundly in that moment because what I realized was I was at my rock bottom, like emotionally. I didn't know who I was anymore. He had me questioning if I even liked who I, I was as a person. It was very, very bad. It was my, it was my worst moment for sure. And I thought to myself, I still would do it again. I still would have to know. This is the worst case scenario. This is what I was afraid of happening. And I would still go through this again just so that I could know. So I turned and I looked at my entire business life up to that point and said, how can I not know? I have to do these things, no matter how scary they are. Honestly, nothing will ever be this bad as this moment right now. Nothing. I can't imagine. So screw it. I'm doing everything. I'm trying it all. And from that moment, I just, that's when I started the podcast. Being on camera used to scare me to death. And now I do it literally every day. And I just think that being able to figure that out for myself, that like, I'm still here. I'm still standing. That rock bottom didn't destroy me. So there is nothing out there that is going to destroy me. And the really curious thing is that confidence follows action. You have to do the thing first before you're like, Oh, absolutely. I'm capable of doing that thing. It's the reverse order. It's counterintuitive. But once you start taking action, you prove to yourself that you can. And that is the push I want to give my students. Do it first. I'm here to catch you if you fall, but you're not going to. Yeah. And and you're never alone through any of it. Like you surround yourself with those. And once you take the action, the universe rises up to meet you. You start attracting all these amazing people that are going to just buoy you. And it's just true. As soon as you start taking even the smallest steps towards your dream, I don't know how that works. It just does. Yeah. When I made my first, my episode number one, they're like, oh, you have to tell your story. I go, I'm not doing that. I'm interviewing people. I'm like, I'm not telling my story. And I did a perfunctory kind of nothing. And I knew it was nothing. And so I deleted it. And then I went, blah. 
And I never listened to it. I sent it off and I was like, okay, if I get hit, this was the thing. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and then it's out there. So who cares? That was the only thing that got me through. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just kept thinking I could die tomorrow and then who cares? This is before my kid's dad died. So I didn't, I wasn't as worried about it. But, um, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, nothing could happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least right now. <laughs> but uh, at the time it was, yeah. But I so understand. And nobody's paying that much. This is what the other thing. Here I am two years later. Nobody's paying that much attention to you. And I haven't found a softer way to say that. But I learned that. No, I I was going to say I love when you tell people that nobody's (laughs) paying attention because I say nobody cares. It sounds very like it sounds mean, but it's a little bit comforting to know that when you're first starting out and, and putting reels on Instagram, very few people are actually seeing them. So what do you have to worry about? Just I know my go. husband goes, you don't look very good on that one. I'm like, who cares? I was told you don't take them down. I'm like, really? Nobody pays attention. He, I know I don't, but I, it was the message, not how I look. I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to tell people nobody's paying attention. So I'm really going to take it down because I don't look good. So yeah, nobody is paying that much attention to you. It's a blink. There's something else taking someone's attention or they're thinking about themselves. Yeah. And, but it is from our deepest despair that the most growth blossoms. Yeah. It, it just is, you know, it's not from my darkest point that this podcast emerges, but it's definitely from darkness. Uh, it's how I, my intro always starts. So yeah, it, it's so true. I, I love, I love that you share that. I so yeah. appreciate it. Do you have a message I hope you want to give? I do. I really do. And it's for multi-passionates specifically, but the bottom line is that the standard markers of success don't apply to you. You need to redefine success for yourself. And you may find that it is nothing more than getting to drink tea on your patio as the sun rises in the morning and spend the time when you want to with your loved ones and make art and sell it on Etsy. It doesn't have to be seven figures, 401k, you know, written up in Forbes magazine, maybe that isn't what it is for you. So redefine success for yourself because that is all you need to feel fulfilled and live a life that you absolutely love. Yay. Oh, that's great. I love that. Is there anything else I should have asked you that we're going to be done here and you'll be like, Lauren didn't ask me that. (laughs) I don't think so. I think we covered it. Okay, good. Thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. And of course, all of Jenny's links and everything she does and how to get in touch with her will be on the website in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. This was an absolute blast. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Jenny's messages of clarity, connection, and grace. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. If you're on the email list, you probably saw this week's email. I gave that self-compassion suggestion to put your hand on your heart when you're feeling really strong feelings and say, this belongs. I've been doing this radical self-compassion six-week course, and I just love this. When you're feeling really strong emotions, just just put your hand on your heart and say, this belongs. It's so soothing, and it's a way to not be judgy with your own feelings. So I just love that. And if you're not on the email list, you can just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and get on the email list that way. Or if just text 52 Hope to 66866, the number 52 Hope, text that to 66866 is another easy way to get on the email list. 
Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about overcoming challenges and how to hone in on your superpower and live your dream that you know you're called here to live. Learn how to stop feeling uncomfortable in your skin and get rid of all that self-doubt and become the empowered rock star you know that you are. That's next week. It's a great episode. You don't want to miss that. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.